Chapter 33 Bless the Lads And he blessed Joseph, and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Genesis 48, 15-16. Joseph was one by himself. In Jacob's family he was like a swan in a duck's nest. He seemed to be of a different type from the rest, even from his childhood. He was the son of old age, the son of the elders. That is, he was a child who was mature in thoughtfulness and devotion when he was young. He reached an early ripeness that did not end in early decay. In consequence of this, Joseph was won by himself in the nature of his trials. Through his brother's hatred of him, he was made to suffer greatly, and at last he was sold into slavery and underwent trials in Egypt of the severest kind. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Genesis 49:23. Notice the recompense, though, for he had blessings that were entirely his own. His bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Genesis 49:24. He was as distinguished by the favor of God as by the disfavor of his brethren. When Jacob was old and about to die, Joseph gave him a blessing all to himself, in addition to that which he received with his brothers. In the forty-ninth chapter of Genesis we read, Gather yourselves together, and hear, ye sons of Jacob. And hearken unto Israel your father. Genesis 49 2. They did so, and they received as a family such blessings as their father's prophetic eye foresaw. Before this, however, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Hebrews 11 21. At a private meeting granted specifically to them. Genesis 48 15 22. If his adversity had not so abounded, his consolations would not have so abounded. Do you seem yourself to be marked out for special sorrows? Do the arrows of affliction make your life their target, and are you disciplined above all other people? Don't be regretful, for the arrows are sent by covenant love, which intends by their wounds to prepare you for a special work that will lead up to a special blessing from your Father who is in heaven. Jacob blessed Joseph, and we understand that he blessed him through blessing his children. Joseph is doubly blessed by seeing Ephraim and Manasseh blessed. Dear young people, your fathers can say, We have no greater joy than that our children walk in the truth. 3 John 1 4. If any of you who are unconverted knew your parents' deep searching of heart about you, I don't think that you would be careless and indifferent about divine things very long. If you could imagine the flashes of heavenly joy that would light up your parents' hearts if they saw you saved in the Lord, it would help persuade you to consider your ways and turn unto the Lord with full purpose of heart. Next to giving His chosen the covenant of grace, God Himself can do no greater earthly kindness to them 
than to call their children by His grace into the same covenant. Will you not think of this? Young men and women usually feel great interest in their father's life story, if it is a worthy one, and what they hear from them about their personal experience of the goodness of God will stay with them. We all read biographies, and we value the results of experience that we find there, but the biographies of our own relatives are especially treasured. When these biographies are not read but spoken, what wonderful force they have! I remember in my younger days hearing a minister, blind with age, speak at the communion table. He bore witness to us young people who had just joined the church that it was good for us that we had come to put our trust in a faithful God. As the good man, with great feebleness yet with great earnestness, told us that he had never regretted having given his heart to Christ as a boy, I felt my heart leap within me with delight that I had such a God to be my God. His testimony was one that a younger man could not have given. He might have spoken more fluently, but the weight of those eighty years behind it made the old man eloquent to my young heart. We who are growing gray in our Master's service should not be hesitant to speak well of His name. You won't be able to do as much good in heaven as you can on earth, for they all know about it up there. But people here need our witness to the God whom we have tested and proved. Let us make opportunities to speak well of the Lord, even the God who has fed us our entire lives and has redeemed us from all evil. This is one of the best ways in which to bless the children. The benediction of Jacob was intertwined with his biography. The blessing that he had himself enjoyed he wanted for them, and as he invoked it, he helped to secure it by his personal testimony. One more thing I want you to see is that Jacob, in desiring to bless his grandsons, introduced them to God. He speaks of God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Genesis 48, 15. This is the great distinction between man and man. There are two types of people, he who fears God and he who does not fear Him. The religion of this present age, such as it is, has a wrong direction in its course. It seeks after what is called the enthusiasm of humanity, but what we need, far more, is enthusiasm for God. We will never go right unless God is first, middle, and last. I despair for benevolence when it is not based upon devotion. We will not long have love for others if we do not first and primarily develop love to God. What boys need in starting out in life is God. If we have nothing else to give them, they have enough if they have God. What girls need in leaving the nurture of home is God's love in their hearts, and then it is a small matter whether they have fortunes or not. The essence of true human life lies in fellowship with God. Life in God, life by the knowledge of the Most High, life through the redeeming angel. This is life, indeed. Jacob died as one who had been delivered from all evil, even the evil of old age. His eyes were dim, but that did not matter, for his faith was clear. I love to think that we are going where our vision of God will not be through the eye, but through the spiritual understanding. These were brighter in Jacob in his old age than ever before.
His faith and love, which are the earthly forms of those perceptions, were discerning God in a more powerful manner than ever, and it therefore signified little that the eyes that he would need no longer were failing him. We cannot say that he was in decay, after all, for he was losing what he only needed in this world of shadows and was getting ready for the higher state. His spiritual perception grew as his bodily capabilities declined, and therefore he felt that his life was ending in a fullness of blessing such as he desired for the children of his dearest son. How earnestly I desire a similar blessing for all young people! May the Lord God Almighty bless you! When your earthly abilities fail, may heavenly graces more than supply their place. Scripture God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. Genesis 48, 15. As with a pencil, he sketches the lives of Abraham and Isaac. He doesn't fill it in with coloring, but the outline is perfect. You see the two men in their entire career in those few words. They were men who recognized God and worshipped Him beyond all others of their age. God was a real existence to them. They spoke with God. And God spoke with them. They were friends of God and enjoyed close acquaintance with Him. No agnosticism blinded their understandings and deadened their hearts. They were worshippers of the one living and true God. They are happy children who have such fathers, and even happier children who are like those fathers. They not only recognized God, but they acknowledged Him in daily life. I take the expression, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, to mean that He was their God in everyday life. They not only knelt before God when they prayed, but they walked before Him in everything. When they went forth from their tents and when they returned from their flocks, they walked before God. They were never away from His service or without His presence. He was their dwelling place. Whether they stopped under an oak tree or stayed by a well, whether they entertained strangers or walked in the field to meditate, they lived and moved in God. This is the kind of life for you and for me. Whether we live in a huge house or in a poor cottage, if we walk before God, we will live a happy and a noble life, whether that life is public or unknown. Oh, that our young people would strongly believe this! They walked before God, that is, they obeyed His commands, they heard His call, and they followed His commands. Abraham left his country and kindred to go to an unknown land that God would show him. Even more, he took his son, whom he greatly loved, and stood prepared to sacrifice him at God's command. Isaac also yielded himself up to be slain if Jehovah so willed. To them, the will of the Lord was most important. He was law and life to them, for they loved and feared him. They were quick to hear the words of God, and they rose up early to obey them. They lived as if they were always in the immediate presence of the all seeing. They trusted him completely. In this sense, they always saw him. We talk about following him. We cannot follow him except as we trust him. Because they trusted him, they followed him. Notwithstanding all the danger and difficulty of their pilgrim state, they lived in perfect security in an enemy's land. For the Lord had said, Touch not mine anointed, 
and do my prophets no harm. Psalm 105:15. They were calm and restful because they walked before God, knowing Him to be their friend. Second Chronicles 27, Isaiah 41, 8, James 2:23. And knowing that he was their shield and their exceeding great reward. Genesis 15 1. They had no anxiety in regard to material things, for they depended upon the all sufficient God. Therefore, these two men, Abraham and Isaac, though much tested and tried, led peaceful lives. They conversed with heaven while they sojourned on earth. They enjoyed the favor of God. For this also is intended by walking before him. His face was toward them. They sunned themselves in his smile. God's love was their true treasure. We read that God had blessed Abraham in all things, and of Isaac we hear even the Philistines say, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. Genesis 26 28. God was their wealth, their strength, and their exceeding joy. I say again, they are happy sons who have such ancestors, and they are happier still if they follow in their path. Jacob spoke of Abraham and Isaac, and some of us can speak of those who went before us. Those of us who can look back upon godly ancestors who are now in heaven must feel that many ties bind us to follow the same course of life. If they had transgressed against the Lord, our duty would have caused us to quit the ways of the family, even as Abraham left his kindred who dwelt on the other side of the flood. But since their way was right, we are doubly called to follow it because it is the good old way and it is the way our godly fathers walked. There is a charm about those things that were prized by our fathers. Heirlooms are treasured, and the best heirloom in a family is the knowledge of God. When I spoke the other day with a Christian brother, he seemed very happy to tell me that he came from a family that came from Holland during the persecution of the Duke of Alva, and I felt a brotherhood with him in claiming a similar descent. I dare to say that our fathers were poor weavers, but I would much rather be descended from someone who suffered for the faith than have the blood of all the emperors within my veins. There should be a sacredness to young people in the faith for which their ancestors suffered. Do not choose the society of Egypt with its wealth and honors, but keep to the line of Israel and claim the inheritance of Jacob, as Ephraim and Manasseh did. Don't let it be said that as your family increased in riches, it departed from the living God. Will the goodness of God be twisted into a reason for apostasy? The way of holiness in which your fathers went is a good way for you. And it's right that you maintain the godly traditions of your house. In the old times, they expected sons to follow the secular calling of their fathers, and although that may be regarded as an old world mistake, yet it is good when sons and daughters receive the same spiritual call as their parents. Grace is not tied to families, but still the Lord delights to bless to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7 9. We are very far from believing that the new birth is of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man. The will of God reigns here, supreme and absolute. Yet there is a sweet appropriateness in passing on the holy loyalty from grandfather to father and from father to son. 
I like to feel that I serve God from my forefathers. 2 Timothy 1 3. If our fathers were wrong, we should boldly dissent from them and obey God rather than men. Acts 5 29. However, where they are right, we are obligated to follow them. I stood in a sort of dream as I gazed upon my much beloved grandfather's grave. I was encouraged by seeing the record of his fifty-four years of service in the midst of one church and people. I rejoiced that if he could rise from the dead he would find his grandson preaching that very same old-fashioned and much-despised Calvinistic doctrine of the grace of God which was his joy in life and his comfort in death. A godly ancestry casts responsibility upon young people. These Ephraims and Manassehs recognize that their fathers knew the Lord, and the question arises why they should not know Him. Beloved young friends, the God of your fathers desires to be found by you and wants to be your God. The prayers of your fathers have gone before you. Let them be followed by your own. Be hopeful of being heard at that mercy seat where they found grace to help in every time of need. Hebrews 4.16. They died in the hope that you would fill their places. Will not that hope become fact? Do I speak to some who have godly parents in heaven, yet who are themselves pursuing the ways of sin or of worldliness? Registered upon that file are your mother's prayers. I trust they will yet be heard. Even now they stand like a hedge around you, making it hard work for you to go to hell. Will you force your way to the lake of fire over your father's grave? Will you, by a desperate effort, push aside your pleading mother's figure and pursue your dreadful road to ruin? If so, you will involve yourselves in tremendous guilt and regret. I plead with you to hear the tender voice of love that now invites you to be blessed. A godly ancestry should fill a person's situation with great hopefulness. He can argue, if God blessed my ancestors, why should He not bless me? If they sought mercy and found it, why should not I? My father and my mother were not perfect any more than I am, but they had faith in God, and He accepted them and helped them. If I have faith in God, He will accept me and will be faithful to me. They were saved as sinners, trusting in the blood of Jesus, and why shouldn't I? I beg you to put this argument to the test, and you will find it to hold true.